A quick note before we get started. Did you know we have an email list? Go to hpleadershippodcast.com and enter your email into the form at the bottom left to sign up. Get our PDF on common obstacles and teamwork sent right to your inbox. Subscribers get first listens on new shows and exclusive content. Sign up today, hpleadershippodcast.com. On episode 24 of the High Performance Leadership Podcast, Elizabeth Oates. If you cannot lead your family well and there's so much chaos in the home, there is no way you can go to work every day and get your job done well because your mind is elsewhere. You're listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast insights and information from world class leadership experts. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Randy Lane. We've talked a lot on this podcast about leadership in the workplace, but what about leadership at home? Elizabeth Oates is a writer, blogger, and speaker who writes about overcoming past hardships to create stronger families. We talk about all of her books, including Broken Branches, which is set to come out soon. And now our conversation with Elizabeth Oates. Tell me just a little bit about yourself. Well, I live here in Waco. I'm married to an attorney, Brandon Oates, and we have four kids, ages 10, 8, and 6. Those are our biological children. We just adopted a little girl who is 21 months old out of the foster care system. Wow. And so, yeah, it's quite a journey. So she came to us when she was uh, nine weeks old, and we just adopted her in April. So we fostered her for quite a while. And then other than my family, I am a freelance writer. I have written two books. and. And I have a third one on the way and they're all marriage and family related. The first one was called dealing with divorce, finding direction when your parents split up. So that one was for teenagers. And then the second one was called, if you could see as Jesus sees, and it was for women. So kind of encouraging them, equipping them to kind of overcome some self-esteem issues and give them some hope in that journey. And then this third book that is coming out, uh, we don't have a release date yet. It'll be either at the end of 2016 or the beginning of 2017. It's called Broken Branches, When God Reclaims Your Family Tree. So it is for women who come from a dysfunctional background and need um, equipping and encouragement to create a healthier family situation. Wonderful. So what called you into writing books? What what got you started in that process? Well, I come from a pretty dysfunctional family myself. Okay. Um, parents divorced when I was two. I'm kind of the typical generation X kid. I feel like, you know, latchkey kid and multiple divorces. Um, my mom remarried when I was in middle school, divorced when I was in high school, then remarried when I was in college and divorced again. Throughout that, you know, I think divorce never comes with you know, just this singular divorce. There's always a bunch of dysfunction mixed in there, you know, lived through abuse, abandonment, addiction, adultery, you know, all of that mixed in there. And so throughout that, I think books were just a huge source of help for me and um, really helped me get through some really trying times. And I think that was just the main source of help and a way that I sort of navigated all of those hard times. I've always enjoyed writing. I was terrible at math. And books were just something that I really um, poured myself into growing up. I always loved books from first grade on. So I think I was just really drawn to reading and writing. And I think that's just the way that I express myself through writing and thought if this is a way I can help people just through sharing my own story, then um, then I'm willing to do that. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, great. Well, 
thank you again for spending some time with us, coming on the show and sure. letting us interview you. As you already know, our, our podcast is really around leadership and yes. and the pros and cons of good leadership and poor leadership. And so, yeah. you know, what we'd like to do is start every interview with uh, a similar question. That is, have you ever been around someone, worked for someone that is a great leader, that is yeah. inspirational and and maybe tell a story or, or give some examples of what greater great leadership looks like to you. Sure. Okay. So before I went into writing full time, I was working at Dallas Theological Seminary and I was going to school there part time. And I had a boss, his name was Glenn, and he was just phenomenal. He was so great because he empowered his team and I was doing event planning. So you really have to work as a team when you do event planning. You know, you cannot plan and execute an event by yourself. It takes a whole crew of people. He was so great. He did not micromanage, which I think is huge as a team leader. And he really empowered us as far as, you know, you know what your job is, so go and do it well. And he would check in on us from time to time, but really just trusted us. And I think that's huge as far as a team leader goes to trust your people. You know, they've been hired to do their job. So obviously, you know, you believed in them when you hired them and um, he trusted us. He gave us, you know, a long leash, so to speak, to do our job well. And um, then pretty much gave us free reign. And, you know, he was over a large team and then I was over, you know, a much smaller team. And so, you know, really let me lead my team then, um, which, I really enjoyed because I do like to be in leadership and I do like to delegate and um, I don't want to say be bossy, but um, I have that sort of, I'm not a firstborn, but I have that firstborn mentality of, you know, I like to um, call the shots, so to speak. And so I really enjoyed that, that he would let me do that. He also was great about letting me run meetings a lot, which I enjoyed. He just really let us use our gifts and talents. And he was great at letting people um, take ownership for their part of the job. What about the opposite? Have you ever worked for <laughs> someone or been around others? And you can keep the names out. Yes, uh, I will. I will on that. <laughs> I love to give credit, but yeah, when it comes to the opposite, yeah, we'll keep that secret. Um, my very first job was also in event planning. And I will say I went into it, you know, just so excited. Your first job out of college. And I think this happens to a lot of new grads. You go in just eyes wide open, so eager to get started. Um, and I really just became a glorified secretary. Uh, you know, I would sit there for two hours just stuffing envelopes and, you know, things like that. And I will say when it comes to event planning, there's a lot of grunt work involved. So it wasn't that I was above the grunt work. I really wasn't. Um, but I just... I wanted to be taught and I wanted someone to mold me and to take me under their wing and really teach me what event planning was all about. And this boss just wasn't willing to do that. He was more interested in promoting himself um, than he was in uh, raising up his team. Um, and that's what I found in my, in, you know, my job at Dallas Seminary, that he really, my boss at Dallas Seminary was all about, let's create this um, team that works well together because when we work well together, that's going to serve our client well. Um, and that's going to make a great event. In my first job, it was more about the boss and in him making himself look good. Mm. 
And I feel like the clients suffered. My boss was very frazzled. If I could use one word to describe him, it would be frazzled. He was always five steps behind. He was always blowing in and out of the office. No one knew where he was or what he was doing. Um, And it was because he was just trying to have his hand in too many fires instead of trusting his people um, and and cultivating their gifts and talents, you know? And um, so it was was really disheartening. You know, I didn't last very long there um, because I just felt like I'm not learning anything. Um, I'm never going to learn the art of event planning. Um, and so it just didn't feel like a good use of my time. Sure. Absolutely. So now you're, you're not a stay at home mom. I just read your, uh, your blog. You, you are sort of, but you're, you're a writer and a speaker. And so you're not working in a corporate situation, but how would you view leadership in the home? Do you think there should be a strong leader or should it be a co-leader type of environment? Yeah, that's a tough one. And it's honestly one I've struggled with for a long time. And because I do have such a strong leadership personality, I think my husband and I, we have gotten to a place where we've identified areas where we each lead well. And so we've let each other lead in those areas. So where I lead really well is in day-to-day management. Um, I'm super organized and I'll say, you know, being an event planner really helped me in leading my home and leading my children. Um, it helped me as my husband says, I'm an Excel ninja. I mean, I love Excel (laughs) spreadsheets. Um, I had to use them a lot with event planning just to keep things organized. Um, and event planning really helps me juggle a lot of different things because we had more than one event going on at one time. And there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle in event planning and you're managing a lot of different people and you're talking to a lot of different vendors. And so, you know, as far as managing the home, you know, we have in one weekend we'll have, you know, three soccer games, one softball game and two birthday parties, you know, and that's a lot of different details to coordinate. Um, and so I've got a lot of charts and spreadsheets and things like that. And my kids, they all have chore charts and they have daily activity charts and, you know, they're probably done with my list, but, um, that's the way I keep things going. So I'm leading from a day-to-day management perspective. Um, you know, my husband leads more in a big picture perspective, as far as, you know, where is our family going in this next year? year? Where are we going to be in five years? Where are we going to be in 10 years in that, that area? Are you both a type personalities? Do you butt heads on occasion trying to who's in charge? Who's the alpha? No, we, he is not type A at all. He uh-huh. is very much, if you've ever done the, um, lion, otter, golden retriever, that kind of personality mm-hmm. test, <laughs> he is very much the golden retriever, which is more just the very laid back, easygoing, very loyal, very calm, patient, Um, We always say I'm the gas and he's the brakes. You know, he's Mm -hmm. the one that will say, let's take a moment and and think about it. That's a good idea, but let's rest for a moment. Whereas I'm full force, you know, I like to do things quickly and and, um, efficiently. And and he's always like, that's that's good, but let's pause for just a moment and catch our breath. Sure, absolutely. So we're we're a good balance. So you're head of the household and not in terms of the big picture, but the day-to-day activities of everything goes on and with the family and so on and so forth. Do you think that there is a distinct difference between managing and leading? Absolutely. And in what way, in this analogy of your home, in what way is there a difference between managing your family and leading your family? Where we see the difference is leading um, is all about the big decisions. So, um, you know, and we've we've really seen a lot of friction in this area. So in the past couple of years, for instance, I'll give you a practical example. Um, we've been looking to buy a house. 
we've seen a couple opportunities come where I, again, have been the guest. I've been like, we need to um, pursue this opportunity. And my husband said, I don't think this is wise for our family, financially, logistically, you know, all these different reasons. Um, and I really felt like he's not listening to me where it's become more than just the house. You're not listening to me. You're not listening to what I need. Um, and so it's caused a lot of problems. So where we have fallen is, um, if we come to one of those places where I feel like it's more of an issue of you're not listening to me, you're not listening to what I need. You're not listening to my feelings. Um, then we are going to seek another couple that we trust to give us an outside perspective. And um, because it's becoming more of an, a heart issue and not just a logistical issue or an issue of compromise, you know, so we're going to seek a couple's um, advice that we mutually trust. And um, because we have to come back to the issue of, I, we believe the best in each other and it's not what I want, what he wants, but what is best for our marriage and what's best for our family. And I have to trust that he is going to lead our family well, that he's not just trying to blow me off or it's not just that he's lazy and doesn't want to move or whatever, you know, in this example, I have to believe that he has our family's best interest at heart and that he's truly leading us well. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And communication is the foundation of the difference between leading and and managing because managing is that day to day operational, like you said, the the, the ninja in you of yes. time <laughs> management and chart management versus right. the big picture of where are we heading? Is it is it a good decision? So on and so forth. Tell us a little bit about you know, you've written three books. Tell us about your latest book. I mean, if you want to dig into it a little bit more and tell us why you decided to write this and, and kind of what is the foundational uh, message inside of it? So again, it's called Broken Branches, When God Reclaims Your Family Tree. This is really kind of my baby. It's probably the book I've wanted to write the most. Um, it was birthed out of, I think, just all of the junk that I walked through. Um, and I you know, I have so many people who they'll hear my story and they'll say things like, wow, and you turned out so normal or you're so resilient. And I will say yes, but it hasn't come without a lot of work and a lot of work, meaning, like I said at the beginning, I've read a lot of books. Um, I have sought counseling, you know, just various points throughout my life. And, and I don't ever want people to think counseling is something to be ashamed of or that we have to hide. You know, I think it's really healthy to pursue counseling at various seasons in our life. I also had mentors in my life. Um, I have great friends who, you know, we really have very open and honest conversations about what we're going through. And um, so I say all that to say, I've, I've done a lot of work um, to reach this healthy point in my life. And I, I desperately wanted to break this cycle of divorce in my family because not only are my parents divorced, but I grew up every, every grandparent was divorced. I had four sets of grandparents. Every aunt and uncle was divorced. I mean, divorce was all I knew growing up. Um, and again, not just divorce, but all of these other dysfunctional aspects of family dynamics. And I, I see it all around me. I remember growing up and a lot of my friends' parents were divorced. Some weren't, but some were. You know, it's become just such a cultural norm for for there to be divorce and so much dysfunction. And, and so in the book, I talk a lot about, you know, just the ranges of dysfunction. And it can be everything from what I experienced of, you know, the, the divorce, the um, addiction, the abuse, all of that. It can be something much less severe, such as 
Maybe your parents just didn't approve of you. Maybe your dad was just overly critical. Maybe your mom wanted you to be something that you weren't. Maybe you were a soccer player and your mom wanted you to be the homecoming queen or the cheerleader. And so you just never felt like you quite measured up. You know, dysfunction comes in all sorts of forms. And so, you know, we grow up and when we get married or we're about to get married or we just leave college, then we start realizing, you know, all this dysfunction that we grew up with. And then we are about to create our own families and we start realizing we have all this baggage and we don't quite understand what to do with it. And so this book sort of helps women unpack their baggage uh, because the last thing we want to do is carry this baggage into our, our new family um, you know, into our new marriage and with our own children and carry on this same cycle. And so this, this book just helps women unpack this baggage, sort of, you know, unpack it, look at it, say, okay, how am I going to look at my past, sort of work through all of that pain, um, look at my present, what does God want me to do with my present, and then look into the future and how can I create a healthier future for myself and for my marriage and for my children. So when you are asked to do speaking engagements and stuff. Is this what you talk about primarily, or do you have other things that you talk about? I talk about this a lot. A lot of marriage talks a lot about, you know, overcoming your dysfunctional past. I've talked about parenting. I've talked about foster care and adoption primarily, but talking about restoration and overcoming your past is really my passion. So do you think that overcoming your past is a critical component to becoming an effective leader? I mean, can you lead others if you're somewhat in chaos or in turmoil yourself? Is that a gap? I, I absolutely believe you have to overcome your past. And I say that because when I talked about my first boss, um, who was such an ineffective leader, he had some very deep personal issues going on at the time. I didn't know it at the time, but I found out years later. And I remember thinking, no wonder he was so frazzled. No wonder he couldn't get his act together. He had all of this personal stuff going on. And looking back, I just remember thinking, no wonder. Mm-hmm. No wonder. My husband and I also talk about if you cannot lead your family well and there's so much chaos in the home, there is no way you can go to work every day and get your job done well because your mind is elsewhere. You're so distracted. You know, if you are dealing with an addiction, how can you show up for work every day and be effective? Um, you know, there's just so much. We have to be at peace with ourselves if we are going to go to work and be effective in the workplace. Sure. Well, leadership comes in all aspects of our life, right? It it comes at work, it comes at home, it comes at church, it comes with our kids, it comes with our friends, our peers, everything. So leadership is never leaves us. If we're going to be an effective leader, we have to do it in every aspect of our life. Yes. And yeah, cleaning up your messes, that, that chaos that's going on inside of your life has to be dealt with first before you can effectively lead others. Yes. Uh, and too many leaders, I believe, are faking it till they make it in a sense. Oh, for you know, sure. <laughs> trying and to be someone sure. they're not. And how many times do we see that in churches as well? We see church leaders um, failing because things at home are just not what they appear to be on the outside. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what's next for you? What What are you trying to do? What are you trying to build? What are you trying to to grow? Well, my book, as Jesus, if you could see as Jesus sees, just came out in January. And then I got this contract for this next book right away. So last spring, 
Um, I spent the whole spring writing that book. And then this spring I spent writing Broken Branches. So I'm not going to write a book next spring. I'm (laughs) not going to do that to myself or my family. I'm really going to concentrate on just promoting those books, trying to get the word out there. Um, I'd love to do some more speaking, um, just trying to build my platform a little bit more, just trying to connect with my readers a lot more. Who's your your market for your books? Who, Who are you trying to get it out to? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Really, I identify most with women, I would say, in the age range of probably 18 to 45. Hmm. Although with, if you could see as Jesus Seeds, I had everyone read, or I have everyone reading it from high school all the way up to women in their 60s. It's really surprised me, the broad range of women who are reading it. Um, And it really just goes to show that women in all different ages struggle with issues of loneliness and self-esteem issues and um, feelings of shame and low self-esteem, low self-worth. Those are all different aspects that we study in the book. Um, So it doesn't really matter what age bracket you're in. You know, we all study, we all struggle with those issues. Yeah. But that was the age range I really wrote it for was the 20 to 40 year olds. So I saw with your divorce book, you have it set up as a workbook. When people go through it, how do they go through your course and, and how do you lead them through your book? The dealing with divorce is the one for teenagers. Okay. And that one I wrote many years ago. That one came out, I think in 08. That one, the publisher actually asked me to write it as a six-week Bible study for teenagers, and there is a leader guide and a participant guide. So they asked me to write it that way so that if churches wanted to form a group, um, they could have a leader take a group of kids through the through the book. So it is a six-week study, but there's also, at the end of every chapter, an option to where you could extend each chapter into two weeks. Sometimes it takes kids, you know, a little longer than one week to process something. Um, so there's like one chapter is on communication. One chapter is on, you know, feelings associated with divorce. One chapter is on changes that will happen when your parents divorce, like moving or, you know, your mom getting a job for the first time. One chapter is on step families. There's six chapters in all. And yeah, it's set up like a workbook. So there's questions throughout the chapter. So that helps kids kind of process what they're thinking and feeling. Do you lead any workshops or primarily you write it and and do a, you have them self facilitate? Yeah, I have led workshops in the past and then I've spoken on the book and I've led workshops for parents um, on how they can help their kids go through the workbook as well. Um, But I'm not currently leading any and mainly because uh, the church I attend, uh, there's just not, it's a pretty small, well, I shouldn't say it's a pretty small church, but it's a smaller church. The youth group is smaller. And so there's just not enough kids to form a group. But if I went to a church that had enough, I would love to do that. Um, I stay in contact with a church in Dallas who leads groups regularly and they have been so supportive and just kind of keeping me you know, in touch with what's going on and, and they have a successful group every semester. So that's been encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. I saw an interesting, I don't know if it was a poster or something you wrote about raising generation Z kids in the millennial world. Can you talk about that? Sure. So that is um, my eight, my kids' age range. These gen, the generation Z. So uh, my kids or my older three, they're um, six, eight, and ten. And more so, my ten year old is Generation Z. And so these are the kids that are they're gr- going to grow up not understanding what it's like to not have a phone. Um, you know, my one of my, my six year old called me out the other day, and I guess there's something called a fake phone that you can carry, which it's like no screen. Yeah. Or, yeah. It's not even, it's just 
a phone, but it doesn't turn on or anything. And you just keep it with you just to like, feel like you have a phone. He saw a commercial about it. I think it's just a, a joke, <laughs> but he, he made the comment. He said, mom, you just need a fake phone. So you'll stop turning your phone on. And, um, I felt so convicted, but these are the kids that, um, are going to grow up just never knowing life without technology. So yeah, I wrote that on just how to help your kids connect with God in this era of just being surrounded by technology because it's difficult. I tell my kids, I'm like, you don't need technology after school. You've had technology all day. They all in starting in kindergarten, they're issued their very own iPad in class and they have iPad time every single day. So just try to find ways to th this uh, ebook that I wrote was just trying to find ways to make God relevant in their lives when really all right now that's relevant to them is technology. Besides your own stuff, are you reading any books right now? Listen to any podcasts, anything that inspires you? Both. Oh my word. I'm reading like four books right now, which I don't recommend, but, um, I, I'm only reading four because I, I will set one down and I'll forget where I put it. So then I'll just pick another one up and start reading it. So I'm reading, well, I'm reading Amy Poehler's book. Yes, please. Okay. Which that's just kind of a light, fluffy, you know, fun read. And then I'm reading for the love by Jen Hatmaker okay. and I'm reading, um, mingling of souls by Chandler, Matt and Lauren Chandler. So I'm reading those three for sure. And then podcasts that I listen to, I always listen to Jamie Ivey at the happy hour with mm -hmm. Jamie Ivey. So fun. And then I'm also listening to the hope writers. Have you heard of that one? I have not. Okay. It has four hosts. It's Emily Freeman, Michael and Smith. That's her sister. And then their dad is Gary. I cannot remember his last name. And there's one more person. I cannot remember his name. It's a man. And so the, it's just all, it's for writers. And then I also listened to, oh, there's one more. It's with Kat Lee. And I've been on her show now. I can't even remember the name of it. But she is based here in Waco. Oh. Inspired to Action is her podcast. And then she has like a whole online Bible study that mm. is in like almost every country in the world. Oh, Hello Mornings. Hello Mornings is the name of her, her blog. Who is your publisher? Who did you go through? Okay, so I've been with three publishers. <laughs> I feel like that sound makes me sound flaky. My first one was with Zondervan, which that was a total fluke that I got with them. And then my second one was with Barber, B-A-R-B-O-U-R, Barber Publishing. And that was crazy because they, I was trying to pitch Broken Branches, this third book that's coming out. That was my baby. That's the one I really wanted to write. So my agent was pitching Broken Branches. Well, while she was pitching it, Barbara came to her and said, hey, we have a book idea. Um, it's a book about self-esteem. It's for women. It's called If You Can See As Jesus Sees. Do you have a writer who might want to write it? And she said, yes, I do. Let me ask her and see if she would be interested because she's kind of pitching this other book right now. And so she asked me if I wanted to write it. And I said, sure, that sounds great. I mean, what woman wouldn't want to write about all these self-esteem issues that we all struggle with? So I wrote that while she was pitching Broken Branches. So that's kind of how I ended up with two different uh, okay. publishers. So Barber is my publisher for As Jesus Sees. And then um, Kriegel is my publisher for Broken Branches. Out of curiosity, why do you go through a publisher versus self-publish? Well, you know, I think there's a little bit of a purist in me that just likes the idea of the old school going with a publisher. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you go self-publishing, you have to pay for everything up front. Mm -hmm. um, whereas if you go with a publisher, they pay you, which is nice. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> and they also pay for marketing. 
mm-hmm. which is nice. You know, they hired, Barber hired a PR marketing rep for me who set up lots of radio interviews for the first two months and um, like all over the nation. So that was nice. They put me in markets all over. And, you know, with self-publishing, you don't have any of that. Yeah. So, and then, and then you also have the option of, okay, now I have a contact to go to for my second book or my mm-hmm. third book or whatever. Yeah. I just felt like that was, if I could go through traditional publishing, I wanted to, and I felt like it gives you a little more credibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I know some people who do the self-publishing and they make a lot more money than people who go the traditional route. I don't know. I yeah. just, I just wanted to try it this way first. Yeah. I'm just curious. Just yeah. curious. Because I know people who do both. Uh-huh. They do. And a lot of people do very well the self-publishing route. Mm-hmm. I just... But you got to market it. you got to sell the market. You have to market. Either way, you have to do a lot of self-marketing. Right. Mm-hmm. Either way. Yeah, most of the publishers that I know of that, you know, they want to know, do you have a following? Do you have a network? Yes. How? What are you going to do to help push the book and, right. and get it out there? And, you know, the industry has changed quite a bit. Yes. And so how they stay relevant is... Again, sales and marketing. I mean, people right. people buy and, and access intellectual property differently now than they ever have. So They do. Publishers expect a lot of you. So even though like, I don't have my own company, I'm the leader of my own brand. And mm-hmm. so you know, I, have to, I have to wake up every day and I have to motivate myself and you know, come up with my own um, agenda for the next week and the next month and have my own to-do lists and you know, check them off. And sometimes I'll even send it to my husband and just be like, here's what I'm doing. And he's like, okay, I don't know why you're telling me this. And I'm like, because I don't have anyone else to tell. Nobody else cares, you know? And, um, but just, you know, kind of to hold myself accountable and just to let them know, like, I just want you to know that I'm not wasting my time, you know? Yeah. And, and just, you know, my little one-year-old, she goes to Mother's Day out twice a week. And I was like, I just want you to know that these two days that I'm not sitting at home, you know, watching Gilmore Girls, that I'm actually <laughs> doing something productive, you know? Yeah. And he's like, I know, I trust you. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, but... I just still want you to know. I want someone to know, you know, sure. <laughs> um, we all want someone to kind of report to and to give us a pat on the back and a good job. And so, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm my own leader and my own subordinate. <laughs> yeah. So if people want to buy your books or get in touch with you, how, how would they do that? Okay. So my books are available on Amazon, you know, any Barnes and Noble, uh, Mardell, any major bookstore, christianbook.com. You can buy dealing with divorce directly from my website, um, as Jesus sees is only available, you know, at the major booksellers. Sure. Um, if they want to get in touch with me, they can also go to my website. Uh, they can Which is you know, what? sign up for my blog. It's elizabethoats.com. Okay. And Oates is spelled O-A-T-E-S. Um, they can look at my blog. They can, you know, email me through there. It's info at elizabethoats.com. And they can also find me on Instagram. I'm elizabethoats underscore. Same with Twitter, elizabethoats underscore. And I'm on Facebook, author Elizabeth Oates. So okay. I'm, I'm everywhere. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for cutting out a couple minutes of your day to come on our show and let us interview you. I'm excited about your new book, and, and I'm going to go definitely go check out your website and look at everything that you got going on. And again, thank you again so much for being a part of our show. Yes, thank you for having me. It was really fun. Thanks for listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. Every little bit helps. Our website is hpleadershippodcast.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hpleadershippodcast. Follow us on Twitter at hpl underscore podcast. And shoot us an email at podcast at 360solutions.com. 
Until next time, thanks for listening.